Just want to send a quick shout out to listener Schnails2 for leaving a five-star review of the show. They said, sharp and right on the nose. Jacob obviously knows his stuff and shares his practical, actual cutting-edge insights in a fast, digestible way. This is stuff that all marketers need to know. And info like this is often hard to wrap your arms around. Well, we appreciate you leaving the review, Schnails2, and helping you wrap your arms and mind around some growth marketing knowledge. And if you're listening to this right now, why not leave a review? And please help grow the show with us by subscribing or reviewing The Daily Marketer like Schnails2 did. If you leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to do something special. I'll automatically enter you into a $50 Amazon gift card raffle, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's easy. It takes 10 seconds and it means a lot for us. All right, I'm done. Thanks and enjoy. How do you do? Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Daily Marketer. This is your weekly dose of growth marketing knowledge for the daily founder or startup marketer. Welcome. For season two, we're doing something a little different. We thought, let's bring on people who are growing their business. Let's understand their growth marketing journey. And let's bring on people who are subject matter experts in a subsect of marketing. And let's pick their brain. Let's dive deep with them. And let's source that knowledge so you can use that for the growth of your startup. Our guest for today is Gabe Gervalis. Gabe Gervalis is the Director of Sales and Marketing at Evocalize, a SaaS that provides embedded digital advertising tech to CRMs, portals, and marketplaces. What is that? To simplify it, it's a SaaS that creates highly targeted display ads through embedded Facebook ads. There honestly is really nothing like it, and it's really innovative and disruptive. Prior to Vocalize, Gabe founded several digital ad agencies here in Seattle around search engine optimization, audience targeting, and content marketing. After building his client base to over 50 clients, this included major airlines and retailers, he crossed over to the dark side and he decided to help other brands continue building as their director of marketing. He did this for Adura Life, Decisive Data, and now Vocalize. This conversation is really educational. It's the best word I can find for you. I met Gabe through actually through a mutual friend, and I've been inspired by Gabe's entrepreneurial bug, curiosity, and passion for internet marketing since the beginning. We're going to break down search engine optimization for you, what it means. You know, it sounds really sexy and kind of enigmatic. It's actually not that complicated. It's actually uh, very interesting. I think it's it's something it's foundational for anyone who's building a startup or a business. We're also going to provide a quick history of how search engine optimization has changed over the past 20 years and the series of decisions a startup has to go through in order to maximize their search engine optimization and be ranked well on, say, Google or Bing. This episode is particularly valuable for two people. One, a founder or a marketer seeking a basic understanding of SEO and the key role it plays in organic lead generation. Or two, anyone seeking to understand internet marketing at a basic level and its evolution over the past 20 years. Also, if you, if you like what you hear, 
please, I implore you, hit that subscribe button. If you really enjoyed it, share it with a friend. I would love it if you did that. This this helps our show tremendously in, in our own growth uh, as well. For anyone who signs up, we're doing something special. I'm going to throw you into a raffle for a $100 Amazon gift card. What? And we're going to announce this every other week of the winner. So please make sure you smash that button so you can be entered into that raffle. All right. Well, enjoy this episode with Gabe Gervalis. Hey, Gabe. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Jacob. Pleasure to be here, my friend. It's great to have you. I know you're in the uh, hyper-quarantine state right now on uh, an 86-hour couch sit, right? I am coronavirus quarantine with, uh, we'll just call it a broken ankle, surrounded by ice bags and crutches, enjoying the beautiful Seattle day from my window. So It is nice, isn't it? Yeah. The yeah, weather. Pretty- yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely the weather, not, not the broken ankle. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on, and really excited to have you. From uh, you know your background, being a serial entrepreneur, you really know marketing well. You know search engine marketing and SEO well too, very well. We'll talk about the difference of those two. I think a lot of people don't know much about SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, so, so it'd be great to get insights there. I, I'd like to start off the show a little unconventional way. So we'll begin with what influence did uh, Russell Benaroya have on who you are today, maybe specifically as a marketer? And uh, to give the audience a background, Russell Benaroya is a healthcare entrepreneur. Uh, he actually ended up selling uh, his one of his, his more well-known healthcare companies to uh, Primera, and he does happen to be part of the Benaroya family. Uh, but that's that's less important. More important is his his involvement and uh, reputation working as an entrepreneur. Yeah, uh, Russ. Working with Russell uh, back in my early days, he, he acquired my consulting company. Uh, and, and many many years ago, I had a, a search engine optimization and paid media company called uh, Gavella Search Marketing. And uh, a mutual friend of mine referred me in. Russell was running this company called Blink Tattoo Removal. And I uh, was kind of, he acquired my book of business to uh, run his lead generation campaigns for this new franchise concept and tattoo removal, but also try to like expand our best practices that we learned from that into other areas of the healthcare sector. So in the year that I was under his leadership, I always like to say that I went from like, the, the scrappy quarter million dollar year book of business, non-college educated SEO junkie to like an entrepreneur. I always like to say I got my MBA working under him. Like the, the ability to put together an SEO campaign and a lead generation plan is one thing, but like the ability to get five or six stakeholders in a room, have them all agree on a vision and be able to extract the points of that vision from everybody in the room where mm-hmm. when they leave, they're like, Hey, I did this my own. I wasn't told what to do was like extraordinary. And so not only that, but it was like the idea to take a business vision and mission and put it through frameworks like the lean startup canvas to like test a hypothesis and then see that hypothesis trickle down into like the messaging of the company and uh, the campaigns that you're running and everything around it. When I was scrappy running my SEO consultancy on my, my own, 
like I was never exposed to that type of um, leadership or mm-hmm. style of running a company. So uh, it's probably where I went from, you know, independent consultant to entrepreneur, which mm. only dictated the next 10 years of my career. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. So, so where do you think he got his mentorship from to, to, to learn the things that he ultimately taught you? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I would assume it would be from the environment, and I don't know the, the ins and outs of his background, but by nature, his family is very entrepreneurial and very business-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you're around those types of people through osmosis, like the best practices uh, and just being around that kind of flow into you. And then, unlike me, uh, he's a college-educated person, so I'm sure he got a lot of a lot of understanding from MBA programs and university programs than just networking through those, through those avenues as well. So, so, uh, Gervais search marketing, that was your consultancy that you had and that you ultimately ended up working with him. Uh, and then he ended up buying your company. Was that your first endeavor into marketing? Had you done marketing before that? Uh, before that, um, I had a series of jobs, so I, uh, long story short, in 2003, uh, it was my first job in marketing. Uh, I was cold calling, selling SEO programs back when like you could just change a keyword in a meta tag mm. and then like you go to and the then you rank site. for it. Boom. Oh man, those are the good old days. Yep. Because all you need is a keyword. We used to take, you know, white keywords, text and white background, white text and white backgrounds. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Uh, the heydays. And then like, uh, I would research like th- what Google would do next. And then uh, my company never changed. And one day I found myself like at a Seattle Chamber of Commerce event. I was just talking to some people about what I thought Google was going to do next. And the next thing you knew, there was like 35 people surrounded me and they look huh. at me and they go, you know what Google's going to do? <laughs> oh yeah, dude, don't you? You don't, you don't follow this stuff? Like, no, we're real estate agents. What's going on? And that's when I kind of saw like the need, but I started, uh, you know, running the online marketing departments at local website design agencies. Uh, and I'd also champion the sales effort, uh, uh, efforts there. So that happened for a few years bouncing around from, uh, I spent three years at one e-commerce focused company. Uh, and then another three years at like a 12 person corporate focused web dev agency, uh, before I started my own gig in 2009. Mm. So back in the early days, I'd like to say. Yeah. How did you get into marketing to begin with? What gravitated you to it? You know, uh, <laughs> it's, not your, it's not your average story. Uh, I would say it might be one of the best stories. I used to, uh, what, in 2009, I was 23 years old. And I'm not, I'm, I wasn't college educated, never went to school. Didn't, had no idea what a future plan would be. And then I, uh, it was serving tables and I uh, got fired on my day off uh, after a short run at this, this one uh, who's no longer in business company in Kirkland. What was and the that, company? It was called Marina Cantina. It was like this Mexican restaurant and club. Yeah, uh, but it's like, I mean, that's the way you think in the past. And so like I used to shoot nine ball. And I, um, in my off time, like, so I walked into pool. my, yeah, yeah I used to walk in the pool hall. And one of the guys I used to play with for like five bucks a game, say, Hey man, what's up? I go, yeah, I don't know if I can play today. I just got fired for my day off. He goes, well, what do you, what do you do? I'm like, I'm in a restaurant. 
know, what do you do? And he goes, I manage a, a, a team of salespeople. We sell SEO. I go, what's SEO? He goes, search engine optimization. I go, what's search engine optimization? He says, you know, like Google. I go, what's Google? And he goes, send me your email address. I'll give you a link. I go, email? You know, I didn't, I didn't even like, have an email, email? address. I'm, I served tables. So I didn't have an email address. <laughs> so I got the job and they told me what SEO was. And I picked up the phone and started making cold calls. And I just, you know, really Hold resonated it. with people. And yeah. it was fascinating. And that got me into it. And, you know, then that was like the key thing that like literally built all of my career was that walking on the pool hall, getting a shot at the key line and playing some nine ball shaped everything. Man, mobile penguin. Oh, you're going through my resume. How did you get that? Uh, you emailed it to me. <laughs> no, when did I do that? <laughs> What's the <Jeez>. email? <laughs> What's the email? Mobile penguins. Mobile penguins was a... Um, was that the company? Was that the company that the guy worked at? Was that different? No, no. I don't even... It was, that was called Internet Advancement. The uh, mm. attorney general ended up shutting him down mm. because they would... Uh, they Doing would, some black hat stuff? No, yeah. I mean, it's more the prospecting. They would, they would dial... Uh, real businesses, but they're more of like boutique uh, mom and pop shops. Uh, but but primarily their 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 services never changed to adapt to the changing algorithms, right? So like hmm. you know the you can't just sell three thousand dollar title tags oh. for your whole career. Like you have to. They started to take advantage of yeah, yeah you know, asymmetry was, of information. Yeah, people started to, people started to complain. Mobile penguins. Was there for all for maybe two and a half, three years. They before before Shopify existed, they had a um, e-commerce builder, uh, e-commerce platform, and their big pitch was they were five o five o c three compliant. Hmm. So the future of coding back then was like you need clean code so they can be compliant with all the screen readers, and if you have uh, for the disabled individuals use. And so they had this e-commerce platform that capitalized on that. And then in turn, your search engine rankings would go up. Hmm. But that, coincidentally, spun into a, and this is a funny story, spun into a, um, uh, a side project that we launched called DIY SEO Tools, which was like a five or six SEO tools that we built to help our clients do SEO work on their own. So there's like a, a link builder, link That's identifier, cool. yeah. keyword planner. And this was... We're, we were startup scrappy and uh, we're in this, this really old building in the university district on top of a theater next to Planned Parenthood. And next to us, there's this small company who's kind of just getting off the ground called SEO Moz. Hmm. So in your district? Would, yeah. I had no idea. So I would go in the elevator with Rand Fishkin and just thought the dude was the kookiest dude alive. Like, did you have a mustache then? Oh, I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. But like, I was like, oh, you guys do SEO. Like, I had no idea that they were like who they are today. And yeah. I, you know, I was I was still young. I was twenty three years old. Thought I knew everything. And yeah, they're they're the they're the Pope Vatican yeah. of SEO. <laughs> I bought his book the other day. Oh, cool. Know, something like I forget the title of it off the top of my head, but yeah. But, you know, they pivoted from doing consulting to their SEO toolkit mm-hmm. and uh, became the company who they are today. But, you know, they were literally right next to us and we were doing the same thing. So well, I guess you could say I've learned a lot from failure. Yeah. So so for the listeners that don't know, and I, I'm going to be completely honest, I, I didn't even really know the depth of it until about a week and a half ago when someone asked me to 
figure out blog post ideas using a certain process online to figure it out. And I was like, oh, this is way too complicated. Like, I got plenty of ideas for blog post ideas. Here you go. And he's like, no, you got to do it this way. So for those who don't know, what is SEO and why is it so important? That's been a while since I've been asked that question. Um, search engine optimization uh, is the practice of optimizing your website uh, so it ranks high in the search engines. Okay. And so I would define that as uh, probably two, two sections of technical SEO, which is like the code and implementation on your website, making sure that Google can index it, uh, page load times are up, it's mobile friendly. Then you have on-page SEO, which is um, content uh, generation and, uh, and images and uh, how pages are linked together and, and, other, and other aspects of that. Uh, and the reason why it's important is because in small business terms, like if you're a landscaping company in anywhere and you don't come up when somebody goes to Google, the new yellow pages and searches for Tacoma or Seattle landscaping company, then, then you're lost. And then from like a, like a enterprise perspective, like if people are searching for accounting software or um, uh, CRM software or website builders and, and they're researching this and you're not found on the search engines, then it's, um, it's a big deal not to be found. Mm-hmm. So that makes, since it's, built since google changes its search engine so often it's it's ever evolving right and they have many different algorithms that layer into each other it's it's uh, and they don't tell you how the search engine changes as the internet grows and there's more businesses that are listed online so what what makes it a ever complicated or what it seems like complicated field well i think um Every, every field uh, can have its different level of expertise and, and level to geek out in. Yeah. Right? So like regardless of if you're in marketing or if you're in science or if you're in somewhere, like you can kind of like have a macro uncomplicated philosophy to mm-hmm. get to a certain degree, or you could hire the best expert that does these technical things and has these big... Um, ideas to just to get down to the nitty-gritty all along um i always kind of operated on the macro side never really got into the to the technical side always try to look take a look at like just more the big vision of mm-hmm. seo and like why google like what, what does google want to do google wants to serve the best content for their users and because without them there's no google right somebody's going to go somewhere else to search and so all of those factors, regardless of what they are, are going to be the ranking factors, right? So it has to be quality content. You know, I mean, it has to be accessible. People have to want to read it. Uh, and now, like in the age of mobile devices, uh, the pages have to be able to load fast on, on your experience. But if you ever try to like get outside that box of, how can I, what do I have to do just so I can get search engine rankings? Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's when you kind of go to the gray side and the black side. Like mm-hmm. your thoughts should always be focused on your users, focused on the customers, which correlate with like your business practices, right? Like it's, right. you need to know your target market. You need to know how to speak to them. You need to know what kind of content they want. You're, you have to know the quality of the content that they need. 
you have to give them what they want in order to do business. And the same thing is with, with SEO. So like in search engine optimization. Hmm. So you're saying that there's these foundational elements that, you know, honestly don't, don't worry about the ranking stuff yet. You know, if you really want to worry about whether you're in position five or two, We'll worry about that later. Like, let's first make sure you have, you know, great content. Like, okay, to have great t- content, you got to know who your audience is. Okay, you know who your audience is. All right, well, you know, how are they thinking? What kind of terms are they searching? Okay, like, you know, maybe put those in the articles. You know, maybe then it starts to get a little more into the technical parts of it. But th- that's what you're saying is, is it's essentially everyone should be thinking about SEO at that 10,000 feet up level with the fundamental elements to it. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. I mean, like, think about it on the macro level and figure out what your approach to it is and how you want to approach to it, and then and then drill down into uh, uh, the buckets to to give it a little bit more time because there's so there's so much and you can spend so much. If you're a do-it-yourselfer and you want to do it yourself, then uh, there's going to be a lot of time and you're going to get lost in the weeds and you're going to go through all the, the trials and tribulations there. Um, but if, I mean, but if you have money to outsource and uh, to hire an expert to help, then, mm-hmm. then you're going to know. But but in all situations, I think that like for you, for for the business owner, for the, the founder, or for the chief marketing officer, for whoever to, to have like their own rooted uh, SEO philosophy, so they can govern practices uh, and they can start to qualify vendors. And sift through the weeds uh, to ju- to justify the value, because because I mean if I'm going to write content for my landscaping company, I I I'm going to know the, the the majority of the content that I'm going to need to write already, and then you can get an expert to do the keyword research to make sure the tags are in alt tags or in title tags or these other places as as well. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned SEO philosophy. Is it that each practitioner should have their own SEO philosophy, or why do you have to have a philosophy in the first place to, to to do SEO well? Two different mindsets. The first mindset would be your you know your CEO uh, who has to, or your CMO who has to uh, approve budgets, who has to spend the money, who have to hire the vendors and qualify the vendors, right? And then you have your, your vendors who are the practitioners, right? Uh, and they're the executors of uh, rewriting code, getting technical, coming to the table and, 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 and kind of guiding the thing. So like on, on, the, on the first, the CMO level, the, the understanding of the SEO philosophy uh, and, and your basic knowledge there on how you want to approach it will guide uh, your vendor selection process, right? So when you know like when vendors are giving you gray hat or black hat techniques that they don't kind of fit within your code of ethics or you, there's, there's enough due diligence done for you to, mm. to understand how SEO fits into your overall framework of demand generation, channel marketing, paid acquisition, and, the, and these, other, other, these other channels. On the vendor side, uh, I don't think like every SEO practitioner needs their own SEO philosophy because like 
it's not needed to like execute on-page opt- optimization or basic techniques of link building, right? Like the the executors of doing these, they, they can hone their technical skills and become very mm-hmm. good at them without having that. Somewhere in an SEO agency, the person who's running the agency, um, will they will either have it's like the hey, I follow these five thought leaders. And they set the philosophies and we just study their best practices and execute them, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Or that agency will have a thought leader that like creates the SEO philosophies and does their own tests hmm. and executes, you know, the technical studies to analyze ranking factors in your top 50,000 keywords. And based off of these, we've developed four key practices to tweak an alt tag, like, I mean, that, you can totally geek out at that level. So it's kind of applied in both, both, both areas of the spectrum, the buyer, the CMO, and then the seller, your, your agency or your vendor. Mm-hmm. Well, what SEO philosophy do you follow? Well, my, mine is to, to give users what they want. You know, like to, to understand my, my, my target market so well that, uh, that everything that we do is catered to them. And so that's like, and that goes in with my content generation, how I create sitemaps for websites, uh, how we create blog post concepts. And you also have to understand that like the last five years of my career have been in B2B enterprise entrepreneurial startup areas. And so in, in those worlds, like a lot of times your new SaaS company won't have a keyword market around it because it's such a new innovation. There's no, there's nobody searching for it. There is no search demand for this unique spin that they're going after. It's not like, you know, a landscaping company in Seattle. So we, we build everything around. Um, we try to build it. We try to build everything around technical best practices, you know, pages, load times and things like that. But we don't, we don't, the the business model demand generation model of our current revenue streams are not related to uh, one on one attachment to to SEO. So, mm-hmm. but ideally, again, it's give users what they want. Yeah, very cool. So, how does a startup company, and maybe let's, given your experience of doing more B two B, how does a startup company with a B two B audience customer grow using SEO? Uh, in a known market or an unknown market? In a, let's say in a known market. Okay. Well, known markets are easy because, like, it all it goes back to keyword research, and it all and then it all goes back to keyword research. So, like, you know, if you're going to define like the two uh, fundamental, the more important pillars mm-hmm. of uh, maybe of SEO would be keyword placement on websites and then uh, generating inbound links. Right, and then there's all obviously the the technical components of it, the social sharing components of it. But you know, for sake of this conversation, we won't focus on that. And I know you're going to interview my social media buddy Josh Dirks, and he'll probably shoot 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 us in the foot there. But like, if you're if you're if you're a B2B company and you're selling accounting software, then you you know you make your you make your list of keywords and create your content strategy around that. You know, you're gonna you're gonna take your keywords and you're gonna break them down into which ones match to your core services and solution pages so you can integrate them on there on your website to make sure that 
you're using the right verbiage when you're saying accounting software, quote unquote. And then the mid-tail or the long-tail terms that you want to go after, usually you roll that up into some sort of content calendar into, into, a, into a blog. And then you can roll that into case studies as well. Like when you're looking at your case studies um, with, a keyword, with a keyword mindset on it. And when it comes to that link building, like in the business-to-business world, there's a lot of um, just standard uh, associations and directories. Most enterprises today... Uh, spend big money in trade shows uh, and they sponsor trade shows and they get their, it's funny, they get their link on the, all these associations. No, they get their image of their logo on all these associations. And all it takes is like an intern to, to call these people up and say, hey, can you make that image a link to my website? And then it, and it comes back. I've, I've talked to a lot of enterprises that have um, internship programs with a lot of universities and there's no mention of the internship programs or the scholarship programs on the university website. So it just takes a little bit of, of dedicated time to like find all these existing processes and embed a little bit of quote-unquote SEO magic on it, which is calling up your contact at University of Washington, saying, hey, we've been funding this sponsorship for a while. Can you please link our logo to our, to our mm. page? Now you have an inbound.edu link. Right? Mm. That's mm-hmm. like, and that's a... Uh, the oldest tricks in the book, it's, but it's not even a trick. You're just optimizing a current asset. But then yeah. your your B two B enterprises usually already have press contacts, blogger contacts, PR relationships, and at that point, you're looking at just basic inbound links from the content that you're generating and from the press that you're making. And it's all it's all relative, right? So I can I can geek out about it for a long time, but I'll. I'll stop there for a little bit. No, let's geek on. This is this is the good stuff. So, so uh, where does someone start with keyword research? If I'm a startup, I'm like, oh, I don't even know what a keyword is. You know, like, where do you oh, begin? Back in the heyday. So I, uh, you know, I got to, I'm dating myself here because it's been a long time since I was a keyword research practitioner. Like I ran a blog content generation company for a year and a half that did keyword research, analyzed trends, created a blog content strategy. But now I wouldn't be the one that was to content recommend fuel. the best. That was content fuel. But I, uh, I wouldn't be the one to uh, say that now. But my old tricks were logging into a Google Ads account and in their tools section, like acting like you're going to buy ads from Google and using their keyword planner. And you can like type in one word and it comes up with a suite of keywords. It's actually getting pretty robust. It, brings down a bunch of words, uh, groups them. So like if you uh, uh, typing in the, the keyword chocolate, like you would have pink chocolate bunny, chocolate bunny, white chocolate bunny in like a keyword container. Yeah. And then it would have like white chocolate bars in like a different container. And you can just kind of visualize your entire keyword segment uh, or your keyword market for the word chocolate. And then I know there's the popular ones out there. Uh, I think it's called the HREFs. Oh yeah, I've heard of Word that. Stream. You, you probably know this more than me now. Uh, Doesn't Moz have a tool? Yeah, it's been a while since I've even been in Moz. Yeah. Like I've been, I've been like, in, not in Take SEO practicing for a while. So. Okay, so you do use one of these tools, and, and I've I've used the the Google tool, the Google, Google Keyword Planner, but you do have to have an account. And they make it they they wall it a little bit right there. 
so you make a list of terms relevant to your product line, um, to your customer, words that they would search. Is there a certain way to go about figuring out those words? I, I imagine putting yourself in the shoes of the customer, right? How do you figure out the right keywords to start listing out and thinking about? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all... This all again goes back to knowing your customer and the mind of the customer, you know. So like, uh, you'd be surprised on like, you'd be surprised on, you know, because like, I guess when it comes to quote unquote SEO, like, uh, I, I've seen a lot of CEOs in my consulting days and even now in my employment days say, "We need to rank for this," and then like I would do some research and there'd be there's no search volume for it, mm. and then because then, then I would. In my employment days, I would have like, you know, a quota on lead generation and revenue that needs to be done. And, you know, your boss or your CEO is doing, saying these things. And there's this, and you're sitting there and you're like, dude, those words don't match anything. Like hmm. there's no, there's no search volume there. Like we can spend time there, but at the end of the quarter, we're not going to get anywhere. So to avoid that, these tools have, um, a uh, basic uh, uh, quantity counts on a monthly basis, so you can kind of see the volume of searches that are that are done. Some of the tools are tricky though, because if 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 Google says the word chocolate is searched for ten million times a month, and the setting is set to the United States, you kind of have to do your own mental math if you're a local chocolate company that serves just Seattle of how many times that word is search for in the Seattle region. Yeah. Right. So maybe you divide by the, 50 the, states, right? Something like 200,000. Cities that are out right. there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's like, I mean, Seattle's, Washington's a big place. So you have Seattle, Tacoma, Edmonds, Everett, Spokane, Yakima. Yeah. Uh, so you, you could even drill that down even further. Um, but then you have like competition factors. So like, some uh, some tools will let you know how aggressive the keyword competition is. So, for example, um, C's Candy. I don't know if they're a big one. Or who's big? Hershey's. Hershey's might be number one for the keyword chocolate mm-hmm. or, or dominating yours. So if you see a lot of like aggressive competition and you're a new business, you might rethink that one. Yeah. Hmm. I just searched chocolate for us, and I know it's yeah. going to do... Wait, wait, well, let me guess on who's number one. The number one ranking site is not Wikipedia. It's uh, it's a, it's going to be a, a snippet. It's a rich snippet. So there's like an information thing on top. Tell me that. Is there an information thing on top? Yes. Well, yes. Okay. Uh, well, well and they, they make it geo-located, the whole thing. Uh, is, so, it, is it Theo Chocolate if it's yeah, geo-located? Yes. It is. I didn't even know that. Boom. <laughs> so, so first thing that comes up is very top it shows us chocolate locations in regards to how close they are to me right now yeah. so and then it's wikipedia article on chocolate then it's theo chocolate so if you're looking to buy chocolate if you're intent then theo chocolate is theo chocolate's a great great place to get some chocolate yep. and then we got then we got oh, france that's that's the yuppie chocolate yeah they gave me a free truffle the other day when i walked in their store they're like you never been here here's some free truffles <laughs> they're yeah. great They're great. Hey, sexy ladies and gentlemen. That was part one to our two-part conversation with our guest. Arguably, the second half is actually better than the first, so I suggest you go and listen to that. 
Also, before you go, I want to ask you for one small favor. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please help grow the show with me by either one, reviewing on Apple Podcasts, or two, subscribing to the show. To give you a little background to why those two, it's because both have a material effect in growing the ranking of the show in podcast categories through the iTunes podcast ranking system, similar to how Google search ranks and organizes top sites for a specific search. To sweeten the deal, we're going to do something a little special. If you review the show on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to enter you into a $50 Amazon gift card raffle, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's simple. Review the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that little purple podcast app on your phone. Scroll to the bottom of the show and hit add review. 10 words, 10 seconds, very easy. You'll be entered into a $50 Amazon gift card raffle, which we're going to announce the winner of every other Thursday. It's free money, y'all. You got to love that. If you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be freaking amazing. Thank you. Take care and good night.